What's up? Hey. Uh, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today we're talking about who, Alex? Uh, Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Yeah. This episode was submitted to us almost two years ago by my little brother, Anthony. So, Anthony, we finally picked your topic out of the vase. It's been it's been some time. Mm. It's been a while. Yeah, James, how have you been? I've been good. How about you guys? We've been hanging in there. You know how it goes. Keep it cool. Yeah, trying to keep it cool because it's been hot. Oh, I know. In my, my office, actually, where I record, oh, my God. It's like sweltering. Are you steaming? I am. Ooh, gross. <laughs> sweaty James. Mm. <laughs> are your spiders are your spiders doing okay? Uh yeah, for the most part. Um unfortunately chartreuse molt, uh, she did not survive it Saturday. Oh, so, I'm sorry, yeah. James. Yeah, pump it was kinda weird though. I had six spiders and three of them molted in like four days. Pumpkin molted, noir molted, and chartreuse molted. Man, that's a lot of molt. Did you yeah. there must be something in the air? Uh, it's because it's, it's so flipping warm. It's hot, Alex. I didn't realize that heat is what made a spider molt. It plays a role with their metabolism. You know, it's kind of funny. We've talked about poikilothermic organisms and versus homeothermic, which is what we are. And yeah, things happen faster when they're warmer. Hmm. Holy cow. Well, rest in peace, chartreuse. Yeah. Let's talk about something a little bit lighter, though, right? Hot, yeah. lighter. Like Nikola Tesla? Like Nikola Tesla. Light? Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. That's reaching well, even for, for you. <laughs> I want to give a, a shout out to Anthony. Also, I want to give out our, our hearty hellos. Sounds good. Oh. Are you guys ready for our hearty hellos? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you guys. Today we are going to give a shout out to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm. Also to the wonderful country of Turkey which we have listenership in now, mm. and the Northern Territory of Australia, because I don't think that that's an area that we've ever had oh. listenership in before. Like, right now, the entire Australian map is lit up. Nice. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Yay. And then here in the US of A, we're going to say a little Oregon. What's up, Oregon? Oregon. <laughs> and then also, I want to give a shout out to one of our newest patrons on our Patreon, you guys, Jordan. So Jordan, thank you so much for supporting us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our wonderful patrons. It really, it does mean the world to us that you guys are supporting us because we don't make any money off of this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. it's just something that we do and we put a lot of time and effort into it. So the fact that there are, are some of you that want to support us and what we do, it really means a lot to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks again, everybody. Yeah, and if you cannot support us monetarily, no worries. You can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Right, guys? Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> let's talk about an icebreaker. Okay. All right, James, what's our icebreaker? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, ooh, okay. You know, Tesla was most known for being a remarkably innovative inventor. So uh, what 24? 20th century, actually, even better. What 21st century invention can you not live without now? So, in other words, what is something that in your childhood didn't exist, but now exists and you absolutely need? Ooh, Alex, you go first. You go first. I got to think about it for a second. That didn't exist when I was a kid, but now I need? Yeah. I mean, I can't think of too many things that don't exist now other than like the internet. In terms of my use of it. Mm. Otherwise, what? Like, like, I mean, I guess like cell phones and stuff like that. But then I use, I want the internet with them. I have a cell phone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, hmm. I would rather have the internet than a cell phone, though. Mm. That's a fair so point. So, saying the internet. Yeah. See, I wish that I could just like get off the internet and <laughs> social media and everything like for quite a while. See, well, I don't even picture social media. I just picture like, for some reason, when I thought internet, I just pictured like <laughs> Google. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did that. I pictured AOL for some reason. I guess because I was thinking about when I first used it. Uh, it just like all the fun things and not like social media things. I think that I would have to say streaming services. 
Uh, oh, that's a good one. Whenever I'm having see, a bad internet. day, I can try. Yeah, but yeah, it's... It, it, internet can piggyback on that. That'd be... <laughs> it'd be like if you said car and you're like, well, you can't have a car without gasoline, so... That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. I would and, say yeah. streaming services. Well, mine can be either internet or satellite, but for me, GPS. Like, oh. I have no sense of direction. GPS is a huge part of my life. Like I, I think I'm actually concerned that I might be a full blown shut in without GPS. And uh, <laughs> not that that would be that bad. I, I wouldn't mind being Mr. Grizzly Adams sans GPS, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. James cannot get anywhere without his little. No idea where I am ever. Yeah. Oh, the panic you must go into. Like when you're, when you go into that area with bad internet. Oh, and yeah. I mean, whenever it happens, like I, at this point, I'm so stuff. used to it. I'm like resigned to it. I'm like, well, I guess I live here now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The internet, the internet's a good thing. You know, streaming, I could actually live without. I, I like, I always liked buying physical stuff. Yeah, you did. You know, it was always, that's, that was always a fun thing to do. I'd miss video stores. Yeah. I'm, I'm nostalgic so I, for the old internet. You know, I kind of miss that. It's kind of weird all, to think about the internet with regard to nostalgia, but you know, it was such a happier place. Yeah, it was a simpler <laughs> time. It sure was. Yeah. Until uh, social media came around and just punched us all in the face. Yeah. <sighs> okay, listen, mm. you guys, is it time? On a lighter note. On a lighter note. <laughs> <laughs> how about we talk about Nikola Tesla? Okay. Am I starting? Yeah. I don't know. Are you first? I mean, you're covering his childhood, so. We should probably start at the beginning. No, let's start at the end and work our way back. Let's David Copperfield this and begin with his birth. (laughs) 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 All right. I'm starting us off today. As James and Alex just mentioned, I'm covering early life and childhood. My sources were a video on Nikola Tesla by YouTube channel Biographics, one of my favorite. YouTube channel They're great. everything. I, yeah, I watched them a little bit too. I, I discovered them when we did our vampire research. Ah. Yeah, and I will say they did, did not help me today. Well, that's your this own is the thing. first day I've ever listened to him though, and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I just like his voice. It's so like just it's like all s- right, smooth. that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Also, Smithsonian.com and then PBS. You know public broadcasting station whatever okay Okay, so nicola you guys is known by his friends and family as nico which is a pretty cool little name nico Nico. (laughs) i'm getting the gta 4 flashbacks nico i (laughs) yes i do but cc doesn't get it yeah no that's right (laughs) over my head james you've been making a lot of references lots of video game references lately that are just yeah i guess so how dare you sorry (laughs) Well, you guys, Nikola Tesla, he was born on July 10th, 1865 in an area that has since morphed to be Croatia, but he was a Serbian. And fun fact about his birth, y'all know how he was obsessed with electricity and things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was actually born right in the middle of a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. So there was a big bolt of lightning. Mama Tesla, she pushed and out pops baby Nico. And the midwife was like, oh, no, born during a lightning storm. That's a bad omen. Mm. And then Mama Tesla was like, shut your mouth. (laughs) He's a child of light. One of which was an actual quote from her. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You can guess which line of that was the actual quote. Kicked the midwife out and said he's a child of light. And so I thought that was interesting considering his obsession with the electricity. Yeah. But maybe he is electricity. He is. And so let's talk about Nicholas' parents really quickly. His his daddy, Dearest, he, I can't remember how to say his name. It was like Milutin or something. He was born an Orthodox priest and a writer. And his mother stayed at home with the kiddos. And Nicola was one of five. So she had a lot to do at home, right? And I stopped and I think about if Alex and I had five kids, I'd probably stay at home too, right? Five? Five kids. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'd stay home. We both have to stay home. Well, childcare is flipping expensive, <laughs> guys. But that did not prevent Tesla's mom from having hobbies, her biggest of which was creating little gadgets to make life and tasks around home easier. 
like she invented a little handheld mixer like for making food and stuff and she just did all sorts of things like that so she was always tinkering with little inventions and creating things and nicholas saw her doing this and it really kind of inspired and piqued his curiosity and he does credit his mama dearest with kind of helping him find his way in life and his dad was like his dad was like you're going into the priesthood nico and nico was like oh dad yo coot i'm a child of light remember and then he went on to become one of the most famous scientists to ever exist Uh yeah and um another really interesting little fact is that his mom had an amazing memory tesla himself had a photographic memory and he actually credits his mom he says that he inherited that gene from his mother because she could remember all sorts of things. Like they could memorize entire books word by word. It's crazy insane. But Tesla studied German, math, and religion when he was a youngin, and he could speak several languages, um, no doubt, because he could just look at it on a piece of paper and just remember it. And sometimes I wish I could have a photographic memory, and then I'm like, no, I don't think I would. James, if you could have a photographic memory, would you want a photographic memory? I mean, I think I might have one, actually. James has a photographic memory. Did you know that, Alex? I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tesla, he eventually went on to a prestigious school called the Higher Real Gymnasium, where he continued... What's, what's so funny, Alex? Uh, me. Alex, is, Alex is also <laughs> has a photographic memory, you guys. Just of every time I make myself laugh, that's it. Yep. But he... <laughs> Tesla, he continued studying math and science, and it really actually kind of got him in trouble at school because he was able to answer extremely involved calculus with his mind without having like a paper or a pen or anything. And they could ask him an equation, and then he would spit out an answer, and his teachers were like, you're cheating. You are cheating. But he wasn't, you guys. Mm. Yeah. Because remember, he was a genius. And one class that really ended up Spinning Tesla off into the field he became known for was physics. And one of his teachers, this was at a different school, but one of his teachers showed him this uh, invention. I can't remember exactly what it was called. It was like called a Graham Dynamo or something like that. But it was kind of like an electricity slash motor. Mm. And Tesla saw it and he was like, this could be improved upon. Like if we could remove some of these inefficient pieces then we could, you know, make electricity so much easier. And his teacher was like, ha ha, you silly boy. Like, there's no way you can do that. If you did that, you would be creating a perpetual motion machine, and that's not possible. And then Tesla was like, I'm going to show you. So he he wanted to prove his teacher wrong, and he continued to work his butt off for years. And he ended up getting a degree and graduating in three years of the school versus regular four that most people take. So he's about to uh, enter the world bright-eyed and ready to invent. And then, blast you guys. He catches cholera. No. Yes, James, cholera. He was really sick. Really, really, really sick. He almost died. And he was bedridden for nine months trying to recover. Dang. Um, Yeah, I know. And praise God, he did survive. Can you guys imagine where we would be now if he hadn't made it? Probably hitting each other with sticks. Probably, man. (laughs) But after his near-death experience, Tesla got really careful and basically became a germaphobe. And he was like, I do not want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And you guys, he was worse than James. James, <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't picked this up over our 122 previous episodes, James is pretty OCD about germs. Right, yeah. Alex? Yeah. Yeah, well, Tesla could not go through eating a meal without using 18 napkins to make sure his hands always stayed clean and his face always stayed clean. Mm-hmm. He was that paranoid. James... Do you use 18 napkins at every one of your meal? Uh, thankfully, no. I just wash my hands afterwards. Okay, good. So he's not as... And before. And during. And during. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys, what if James is just Nikola Tesla reincarnated? Mm. James, have you ever had that thought? I just did when you said that, so... <laughs> Listen to that. Well, anyway, you guys, in 1874, Tesla was expected to be drafted in the military... But guess what, you guys? He did not want to be drafted. So he was like, are you freaking kidding me? He was like, forget this. I'm out of here. And he fled to the mountains where he disguised himself successfully as a hunter for at least a year um, before he returned back to his studies at Austria Polytechnic. And I think that's actually where he saw that machine. And his teacher was like, you can't make that. Man, what is with all the naysayers? It's ridiculous. They didn't believe in him. They thought he was crazy. They said, you're nuts. 
Tesla backwards is all set. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the thing, James. I think I'm about to surprise you. You would have th- thought that he would soar to the top of his class, right? Mm, okay. Yeah, he, he didn't. Well, his first year, he was a stellar student, um, acing exam after exam, collecting those straight A's like they were nothing. But his schedule was insane. He was working from 3 a.m. to 11 p.m. each night, just studying and obsessing over electromagnetic waves and whatnot. And even his professor sent letters home to his dad saying, hey, dude, your son's going to kill himself because he's overworking (laughs) himself. And he just wouldn't quit. And then, you know, when you overwork yourself, eventually you're going to get to the top of that mountain and then you're just going to slide right down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happened to me all the time. But (laughs) he got to the top of that mountain. He slid his second year. He just, he, he got into gambling, you guys. Oh, no. Yeah, cards and whatnot. He was flunk flunk flunkin and he lost his scholarships mm. and lost all of his money and he had to drop out because instead of studying he was just betting on god knows what mm. so he left school he had a nervous breakdown and he just kind of ran away he didn't really tell his family where he was going because he was just filled with so much shame and then he got arrested for something and then they sent him back to his parents house um which i'm sure was more shameful than if he had just gone home and said hey I got kicked out of school. Now it's like, hey, I got kicked out of school, plus I got arrested. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But still, his family saw his brilliance, and they believed in him so much that they pulled all their money together so he could go back to study in Prague. Oh, wow. And so he's like, okay, they believe in me. I'm going to Prague. So he went to Prague. And when he got there, he realized that the school registration date had already passed. (laughs) And he was missing some of the classes that he needed in order to get into the school. And so they turned him away. So he was just like down on his luck. He's Dang. Always He's sad. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough living, man. <laughs> but by 1881, he was able to find a job in his desired field at the Central Telephone Company in Budapest. And one thing that he and a colleague would do very often is take little walks around a nearby park during the day and just chat. And he said, I read multiple places that he was just reciting poetry for his colleague. And then all of a sudden... He was struck with a vision on how to build an induction motor. And it was the wisdom that had eluded him for so long. And all of his teachers were like, you can't do it. And then he's just walking through the park, leisurely strolling. Boom. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And another kind of interesting fact is that whenever he had visions about like his ideas or an idea would come from him, he would have a vision like a bright light would pop over his eyes. And this happened his whole life. And it was kind of like a ta-da moment is how I would think of it. But historians actually believe that the flash of light was actually due to a very traumatic event that he suffered in his childhood because he saw his brother fall off a horse and die. So they think that that's where his little flashes came from. But for some reason, Hmm. it always happened right before he had an idea. So anyways, he had the idea for the induction motor. He sees the light and boom, he picks up a stick and he starts drawing in the dirt in the park. And he comes up with his first rough draft of this induction motor. And he tried to, he built a model, tried to get scientists in Europe to be like, hey, this is really cool. We're going to use it. Let's hire you. But nobody in Europe seemed to be interested in his ideas. And they all stuck up their noses at him. And so instead, he came to America where he met Thomas Edison. And even Thomas Edison didn't want to hire him. Thomas Edison was like, I'm going to hire you because a friend told me to hire you. And that's it. And you know what? That's where I'm going to stop talking because I have a feeling that James is going to share a lot with us about Tesla and Edison's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, when he was decided to work for Edison, he originally was working in Paris. And Charles Batchelor, who was Edison's manager, noticed like right away, this guy is phenomenal. And that's the guy in question who wanted Tesla to work directly in the U.S., for Edison. And uh, so he, he moves over to New York City and he starts working on the Lower East Side and he's managing like a bunch of field engineers. And the whole point of it is to basically electrify New York, to, to, to make a big electric facility in New York so that they would have power. And it's just, it's a little trippy to consider that, that up until that point, New York, you know, mm. it, was, it was for the most part candles and gaslight. So he also repairs a lot of the the dynamos on the SS Oregon, which 
as you might imagine, it being a ship it is inclined to, to take a bunch of damage over time. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> now, Edison never really liked Tesla. I just don't, I just think personally, they never really jived all that well. Just they, they were very different. And I think there might have even been a little bit of jealousy on Edison's part. And uh, he just thought he was an odd guy. And he would joke about the, uh, he would call him the Parisian because, you know, he was originally working for them for uh, in Paris. And at one point, Bachelor and Edison, uh, they, he actually runs into them at late, late, late at night. And Edison makes a joke about him. He's like, you know, oh, the Parisian's out late. And Tesla says, well, I was, I was out because I was fixing the Oregon. And uh, <laughs> this is, this is one interesting thing. Edison at that moment told Bachelor, he said, this is a damn good man. So right after that, they decide, Hey, this guy needs to make the street lamp lighting system for New York. And that's exactly what, what happened. He made the arc lamp lighting system, which was, it was, the most popular form was the arc lamp. It was a pre-existing technology, but it required high voltage and it didn't work with Edison's low voltage incandescent sy system. So the company was losing contracts in lots of cities because of this. It just wasn't panning out. So Tesla works there. And after about six months in, he quit. And we have no idea exactly what the deal was, but he had had several run-ins with Edison over some unpaid bonuses that he thought he earned. So it's very likely that that was the deal. In fact, he said that the manager of Edison Machine Works offered him $50,000 bonus, which I, I don't even know how much that was worth then, but an obscene amount. I mean, we're, we're talking probably close million. to half a million dollars. To Yeah, yeah. I think Actually, I think it is half a million. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be up there. And uh, this is where, you know, okay, so some people speculate that Tesla had autism and took everything literal, but there's no evidence of that. In fact, if anything, his social mannerisms, while a little peculiar, don't seem to suggest that he was incapable of understanding when people were being sarcastic or, or uh, not being literal and so forth. But presumably, the, the manager said that that was a practical joke. Now, that might be the case and it, you know i mean another thing is there is a cultural component and edison himself even said oh tesla he just doesn't understand american humor but here's the thing he wanted him he, the bonus was in exchange for designing 24 different types of standard machines that's a lot of work so yeah. i'm actually inclined to think they were being sincere and then ultimately reneged on it but again that's a pretty subjective thing to say but bottom line, he quit. He decides, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to make my own company and it's going to be better. And he creates Tesla electric light manufacturing. So he starts patenting an arc lighting system that doesn't use up an insane amount of power. And he gets that done. He obtains multiple patents and he creates an improved DC generator, which by the way, uh, he's known for creating alternating current. Well, not creating it but making proper use of it and yeah. uh edison is it's, it's one of the most famous things about their feud is dc versus ac well he made an improved dc generator and he starts installing that in new jersey and people notice immediately they're like this is more advanced than anything we've previously seen and you know articles are then written about this now what's funny about this is he actually had an idea that became using AC properly. See, the AC previously existed. He did not invent that. Um, a good way to think of it is DC, direct current, it sends energy outward. Kind of the way a battery does. A battery holds energy and it sends it outward. But AC, what's unique about it is it also draws energy back to its original source. Now, what's useful about this, and I don't fully understand why this is the case, but DC gets weaker as it runs. I get that. But AC, because of that property, it can actually go further out. So that alone means that it, it's a lot more energy efficient and it can function better in circumstances where you have a greater distance between the power source and whatever is being powered. So he's running this by people and the same investors who are just in adoration 
for his work on improved DC machines are completely apathetic about AC. They think it's a pipe dream. They're rolling their eyes at him. They're mocking it. They they don't believe in him as usual, which that's the thing that blows my mind about Tesla. Every turn he's proving himself and people still don't buy into what he's saying. Like if I lived back then and he told me he, he made a time machine, I'd be like, yep, that sounds about right. Did it. Yep. <clears throat> so more on uh, AC. Um, this was one of those things where he worked really, really hard to draw attention to it. And it was just not working. And his attempts at showcasing AC was creating an even deeper divide between himself and Edison, culminating in that very well famous uh, instance where Edison electrocuted an elephant. Um, However, he did raise enough money for the Tesla electric company to really get that up and running the AC. I mean, it's probably one of his most famous inventions and George Westinghouse, who is an engineer and a businessman, which is a rare breed. He thought this is phenomenal. I believe in him. And he actually bought most of his AC patents which was a much needed boon for him. And he takes it to the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. Now, here's the thing. Edison and Westinghouse were both competing directly for the ability to light the World's Fair. And Edison said, I can light the whole fair for $554,000, which again, that's like five and a half million dollars today. Westinghouse, on the other hand, said, well, I could do it for $399,000. So... I mean, they would literally save like the equivalent of one and a half million dollars if they went with Westinghouse. Well, he did. The AC, after that, people saw what it could do. They realized it wasn't going to electrocute them like they were elephants. And now it's the dominant electrical system. It's like what people use. One of my favorite inventions, though, that Tesla had, and uh, he actually didn't patent it because, no joke, He attempted to, and the patent office was like, no, this is crazy. You're talking science fiction here. This, no, this won't work. So he wasn't able to patent it, but he showed it off and how it worked in 1898 at the Electrical Exhibition at Madison Square Garden. He called it Teleautomaton, of course, because everything had to have like a steampunk name in the late 19th century. (laughs) Um, But what he was doing was he was, he was using radio waves to control a boat. A little little boat. I mean, think about that. That's it, he made a remote control. He made, a, he remote, made yeah. a remote control. And I mean, nowadays we we think about that, like drones and RC cars and robots. Like so many things run on radio wave control. He came up with that. So I just think yep. that's super cool. Another thing that he came up with was the induction motor, which yep. of course uses AC. And it's just two things. It's just a, a stator, which is stationary, and a rotor. And the electromagnets make the rotor spin in the middle. So the induction motor, what's cool about this is it's very durable, the way it's structured. It's very easy to maintain, and it's very easy to run. And in the 1880s, there were two people who were working on an induction motor. Tesla and a fella named Galileo Ferrari. Maybe you've heard of his most notable creation. So what ended up happening was in 1888, they both presented their findings and Ferrari actually beat Tesla to the punch two months prior. But, and this is the thing, Tesla had previously patented it and they actually held up. So what ended up happening was that everybody concluded you guys came up with the same idea around the same time, but Tesla filed first. So what ended up happening was it got used because of, of his innovations in all sorts of things, uh, power tools, vacuums, etc. A lot of things use the induction motor. I think it's just kind of neat that they both came up with it at the same time. Uh, I yeah. often, and this is, I'm not trying to go on like a little tangent or anything, but I often think that ideas exist outside of people that come up with them. And this is one of those examples where it's almost like uh, whatever noble powers lead to these sorts of ideas. They, they sort of whispered in two different ears at the same time. Something similar, I think, happened with, uh, uh, shoot, fellow with the apple, Newton. Uh, Newton, Newton yeah. and Leibniz with uh, calculus. Anyway, another amazing thing that he came up with, 
uh, which he didn't discover, but he advanced them to the point where they actually like worked properly was uh, he didn't make neon lights and he didn't make fluorescent lights, but he noticed that uh, if you use cathode rays in a vacuum, you can have these, these phenomenal lights that run. And so he starts experimenting by running different gases through it. And he ended up developing four types of lights, phosphorescent, which is black light turned into visible light. Um, and he also made lamps and neon signs using that. So at the uh, 1893 Chicago World's Fair, which like it, it amazes me how he kept going to these really cool expos. Like it really highlights how what an amazing time this was. That you had all these expos where like these insane advancements were happening. So at his exhibit, he actually had neon signs, designs, words, etc. And people saw that and they were like, oh my God, this is so cool. And that's that's literally why if you go to most major cities, you're gonna see neon signs. They were improved upon and popularized by Tesla. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the year is 1895, and Tesla is getting ready to shoot off a radio signal 50 miles, which has not been happened before, and his lab burns down, so he's not able to do the test. Meanwhile, this is a little throwback. Marconi, you know, we've talked about him. He's working okay. on wireless telegraphy, and he gets a patent in 1896 for a device that is very different from the one Tesla was experimenting with. It only used two circuits but it actually couldn't shoot any information out long distance. Tesla, on the other hand, used a bunch and made it stronger. So he submits a patent a year later, and it gets granted three years after the fact. So when Marconi submits the patent at around the same time, it got turned down because it was too similar to Tesla's. So Marconi opens his own company that uses powerful backers, including Edison and Carnegie, again, trying to fight off uh, Tesla's uh, patent and uh, they actually used a bunch of his patents including one of his oscillators which that's not illegal or even discouraged that's par for the course but it is interesting that uh, nobody's ego was bruised by the prospect of using his pre-existing material but using all that they were actually able to send a signal across the Atlantic Ocean which is a heck of a lot longer than 50 miles yeah so as a result the patent office reversed their decision and said, no, 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 Marconi's is valid. And Marconi actually, he won the Peace Prize in 1911 and 15, and Tesla sued him over it. But at that point, he didn't really have enough funds to really do anything about it. So mm -hmm. the case wasn't settled until after, after Tesla died. And the Supreme Court actually upheld Tesla's patent after the fact. So a little, little sad on that. Um, uh, the other thing that I think is probably one of the cooler things that he came up with, and he came up with it in his lab in Colorado Springs, which I always think is neat because when I think of Tesla, I think of Europe and I think of New York. And, you know, he had that really cool lab in Colorado Springs that we've seen in a certain movie starring David Bowie. But when he was there, he built a huge Tesla coil, the most powerful, at least at the time, called the magnifying transmitter. And it had three hmm. coils. It was like 52 feet in diameter. And the bolts of lightning shot about 130 feet. So, I mean, this was something, even though like it's not particularly useful, it's incredible in its scope. It's one of those things that like if you had showed to somebody just 50 years prior, they probably would have mistaken it for magic. Like it's just insane. Speaking of Tesla coils... Um, he actually invented that in 1891 and, and everybody has seen a Tesla coil. I mean, it's really just two big coils. Each one has a capacitor and, uh, they're connected to a spark gap and bzz, bzz, bzz. I mean, everybody's seen them, but it's just neat that that's what his name is attached to something that is all flash and all show when so many other things that he created were, were purely useful and often overlooked. What, he, what we really attach his name to is that, that showy, like, I am lightning personified device. He was a child of light, remember? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. really, like, it, it, it would be too long to list everything that he came up with. This is just the stuff that I think is most notable. Uh, he also experimented with x-rays and just a number of remarkable 
things. He didn't. He also predict the cell phone, like the smartphone. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of devices he predicted, and even had some things that we never, we never actually fully fleshed out that that are attributed to him. Some people think that he had come up with before his death that he had come up with sort of a precursor to a cell phone, a precursor to Wi-Fi. And, and this is the one that I'm a little skeptical about, but some people think he came up with a way to have infinite power, like just infinite power forever. And uh, I mean, what would you expect though from a guy that brilliant with a photographic memory who only slept two hours a night, which is insane, and worked every day from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m.? That was what he did. And he'd always have dinner exactly at 8, 10 p.m. at either Delmonico's Restaurant or the Waldorf Astoria when he was in New York. So a creature of habits and a workaholic. And uh, later in life, he became a vegetarian and he only consumed milk, bread, honey, and vegetable juices, which I think is insane. But more on, more on some crazy stuff later with Alex. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's your turn, Alex. So I had the death. Rest in peace, sweet Nikola Tesla. Mm. The man died on January 7th, 1943 from coronary thrombosis. Oof. Mm. Sounds painful. Eh, it probably, yeah, it was probably a little bit. Um, his body was discovered by a maid. He had put his do not disturb tag up for two days. Ooh. It had been there a little while. So mm. she went in. She, she found him. You know, she hadn't seen him around for a little while. She ignored the sign. I would have been mad. She was just trying to respect his privacy. Yeah. Well, she was not respecting his privacy, which is why she found him. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so his death wasn't really unusual uh, in any way. But what happened around is, my, my God, <laughs> are you all right there, Wheezy? You got it out of your system? She's just staring out of shame's like, mm. all right. What All right, like? so very yeah, so very very. Uh, what happened around his death was much. Louise, <laughs> <laughs> Louise, come here, come here. <laughs> what happened around his death was much more suspicious. Like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> the the, the it's dog like you're being keeps... heckled by your own dog. <laughs> she jumped off the couch and started sh- started scratching herself. Come here, let me take that off you. All right, yeah, my own dog is actually, and that's why I was silent for so long. She just kept staring at me. I was like, I felt like she was waiting to... for you to speak. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, his death was like pretty. Nothing was suspicious about his death, but everything around it was a little odd. So, very quickly <coughs> after his death, things got strange. For instance, the FBI pulled up, loaded eighty trunks worth of documents. And took it all away. Mm. And when some of, some of it was returned, nine years later, there were a lot of questions to be asked about what exactly had happened to these docs during all this time. Yeah. Mm. Why were they taken? Where? And really, by who? Because the time FBI machines. who took it? Well, they denied ever taking the documents. Of course. And so begins the weird, wild journey of Nikola Tesla's documents. <laughs> There's a, a show, I think, on the, the History Channel. Oh, I didn't see that. But I think maybe my article that I read was a part of that. They said it was a four-part series. A five-part history series. Oh. Mm-hmm. Called the Tesla Files. You guys, my favorite channel, the History Channel. Yeah. And I do want to give a shout-out to History Channel and to uh, Bright Insight. Bright insight. I like Bright that. Insight, That's a nice yes. little so, YouTube channel. He got he he found a lot of these documents hmm. that I'm going to go into, which is uh yeah he does he does some good stuff. So after his death and before removing the items from Tesla's home, the FBI and the Alien Property Custodian, what? Which is an the the APC is like it's an organization that was prolific during World War One and World War Two. And they would seize the property of people that were perceived to be usually enemies of the country. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and and no, they did not consider Tesla an enemy of the country. But he was born outside the country. And even though he had been in the U.S. for like 50 years at the time, 
they still got involved for some reason. So, and I think the reason really is, is that during this time, the FBI perceived Tesla to be a potential uh, security threat in a way mm-hmm. for enemies could like come and to get his work, get him, use his technologies and like extort him. But he's a valuable asset. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. <laughs> so, got to keep an eye on him. And, uh, anyways, so these two organizations, they, uh, they designate this professor at MIT by the name of John G. Trump. <gasps> yeah. I yes. knew this was coming. This, yeah, this is the uncle. To former President Donald Trump, oh my. to assess the items that belonged to Tesla. So this is three weeks after his death. Uh, John G. Trump goes in there, and he goes in to make sure that some of these items are safe. And he just kind of pours over everything. And he is a well-known electrical engineer. Now he, there's no way he's going to be in Tesla's field, right? Like not yeah. not in his echelon, but. He is in that field. And he said after a three-day inspection of like all the items that he looked at and all, everything, he said, quote, uh, Tesla's thoughts and efforts during the past, or sorry, during at least the past 15 years were primarily of a speculative, philosophical, and somewhat promotional character, often concerned with the production and wireless transmission of power, but did not include new sound workable principles or methods for realizing such results. So does that mean that they just, he just had a whole bunch of concepts? He that... pretty, yeah, pretty much he thought everything was theory and that um, Tesla hadn't really achieved anything of concrete value, I guess. Well, he was really, I know that years. in the, like at the end of his life, he was really depressed and people just thought he was kind of cuckoo bananas. Right. Well, I mean, James just said, but he was eating every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness yeah i'd be cuckoo bananas yeah. too um but well i guess we could talk about our, our theory on this but anyway I, anyway after finding nothing allegedly quote unquote these organizations took these items like i said for nine years yeah that's not suspicious at all right exactly <laughs> well it's nothing it's just it's all speculation but we're just right. gonna hold on to this for nine years and then then return right. it for some reason too yeah, yeah, they totally probably didn't pay John G. Trump to say what they told him to say. I'm, I'm sure that wasn't the case. Um, now, what else is suspicious is that the government, up until even a couple years ago, continued to deny ever having any of these items. Mm. Or investigating. Yes. Or, really, having literally anything to do with Tesla ever. Mm-mm. And that it was just like debunked information. You're like, yeah, we've, we've been saying this same thing since 1943. They, they wrote back into an article that was like a list of 10 things that have been uh, FBI myths that have been debunked over time. And they're like, yes, we've been, we've had the same story since 1943 and like all this stuff. And well, thanks to the freedom of information act, we now know that, well, that isn't quite so true. <laughs> So, for example, for example, we have information that there was a uh, a formal written request. The head of the FBI, Roosevelt, um, that Tesla, this dog, I swear, it's gonna be the end of me. That thought that Tesla should be put under an FBI watch because they considered him a security risk and that his technology could fall into like the wrong hands. Mm. He's so smart. He could be turned against us, that type of thing. We did say invented Teleforce Ray, which again, wonderful steampunk name, which would, and this (laughs) is a quote from him. I love those names. (laughs) Right? And this is what he said it would do. Send concentrated beams of particles through the free air of such tremendous energy that they will bring down a fleet of 10,000 enemy airplanes at a distance yeah. of 200 miles from a defeated nation's yes. border. They're, they're terrified of this, what became known as a death ray. Yeah. Which even even Reagan, he wanted to, that was part of his, it, that encouraged his whole Star Wars pro- program and mm. the, the death ray. <laughs> um, but the weird thing is, so there's this big formal memo written up to the head of the FBI but the thing is, 
There is nothing written before or after it. Not a single trace of Tesla for two more years in the FBI documents until until he's dead. Mm. So there's no deny. There's no accept request uh, of this like 24-7 watch on him. So clearly, uh, something is being left out. And so it's a bit suspicious. We also have on record that FDR, for instance, was definitely interested in whatever Tesla was having or whatever he was working on because he actually, people overheard him talking to his VP about it. So there's definitely government interest in this thing. And in 2015, some docs under the Freedom of Information Act were released and they showed that well, it's pretty funny. The FBI had been saying, you know, that they were not involved in any of his effects. So they said, we have, we're, we don't have any of Tesla's effects, papers, or microfilm. Bum, bum, bum. Which, that's been their story from the very beginning. And they said, well, and what, what actually is most likely to have happened is that people confused us with the alien property custodians uh, back when all this happened. It, it wasn't us. That makes it wasn't sense. Us. I totally yeah. believe that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And not only that, it turns out that the DOD had interest in Tesla as well. That's the Department of Defense. Yeah. And when these docs came out in 2015, we find out not only the FBI was completely lying. We find out that, yes, they did not have the docs, microfilm, et cetera, et cetera. They had copies of the docs, (laughs) microfilm, et cetera, which was the workaround they did to get around from, uh, apparently, perjury. That's the FBI equivalent of, I'm not touching you, while putting (laughs) your hand like a millimeter away from someone. Yeah, so they had always kept copies of all of these things on hand, actually. And a significant amount of the papers that were released actually were super blacked out. Like, they're so redacted. It's insane, which is really weird for docs that are 70 years old. Yeah. Like, what what, is, what was Tesla working on that is still relevant now? <laughs> they're still trying to figure like, it out. Obviously, his inventions are relevant now because of their genesis, but... What was there stuff that he was so ahead on that we just still want to hide it from everybody? Because I'm telling you, like, there's entire pages. It's just pretty much just they should have just blacked the whole thing out. Um, now, there's another interesting wrinkle: the CIA. Ooh. Yeah. So Obama actually disclosed some docs in 2017, uh, and it was a bunch of CIA docs. And what's funny is we had never actually seen anything related to CIA and Tesla. Um, until these files came out, which is which kind of made sense because the CIA didn't exist until after Tesla died. Yeah, I was actually going to say something about that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The CIA was created uh, four years after Tesla died, and these docs that that came up, they were full inventories of like what was at his labs, names of people that were there, and, like just all this information about these different locations and a lot of just like a kind of a gold mine. But the weird thing is, is that a lot of it was blacked out again. And it also turns out that when they actually concluded their investigation is the exact same time that the family finally got their docs nine years later. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Again, they they kept all that and, Yeah, it's it's just, yeah. it's it's kind of like you know in a previous episode we mentioned that there were uh, wireless phones on Air Force One well before the technology was available. So yeah, yeah. well I, I th- and I think, yeah, go for from, it. From what I've read, they also definitely didn't return some stuff. So they took eighty trunks of docs and stuff. Only sixty trunks were delivered back to the family. Mm. Yeah, so I, you know, what did they take? Was the rumored death ray real? Could it kill an aircraft craft in flight? Mm. I don't know. I but I, I think that. he was on to something, and some military people believe that he was. I heard rumors that he invented a time machine. Yeah, I've heard rumors that the Trumps own the time machine. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's there's so many like rumored 
inventions from him that are still percolating. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, everybody who doubted him, he proved them wrong. So it's like, I feel like he's not the type of person that you can just say, oh, no, he didn't actually make that. Right. Because he might have. You don't know. Oh, my God. He was a strange fella. Alex got Louise a, a toy frog that squeaks and she's trying to run around the house with it right now. And that was the mystery of the Tesla files. Oh. <laughs> He's going to go put Louise in her kennel. Alex, when you come back, grab the vase. Grab the vase. Mm. While he's doing that, some fun facts about Tesla. He was very OCD. He was fixated on the number three, for example. Washing his hands three times in a row, for example. Um, he was also OCD about pearls. He hated them. He wouldn't even talk to women who were wearing pearls. Why he, did he hate pearls so much? We don't know. It was just hmm. seemed like an OCD behavior. And uh, he was celibate his whole life. And I think a lot of that goes hand in hand with his work fixation. I mean, I don't think he lived for anything other than invention. And yeah. uh, lastly, he was very, very, very fixated on pigeons. He would take care of them. He would, he would bring mm-hmm. them back to his hotel room, which is where he lived. And he would, uh, he, he said, I love one particular pigeon. He said, I love that pigeon as a man loves a woman and she loves me. As long as I have her, there is purpose in my life, which a lot of people have uh, misinterpreted that he's some sort of like pigeon rapist. But it's, I think it's pretty obvious that that's not exactly that's where he not was the case. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, wow. very, very peculiar fella. Guys, this is our first Tesla episode. We could do more on just some of his rumored creations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Anthony, I hope you enjoyed your Tesla episode. Alex, will you drop a vase? All right. Ba, 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 ba. All right, you guys. Next week, we are talking about the scariest, most dangerous jobs. Mm. And this was submitted to us by Mike. So, Mike, thank you so much for sending this topic to us. We're going to be talking about Thanks, Mike. scary jobs, I guess, next week. Great job. Interesting. Uh, James, what's Starring this? Mike Rowe. He's going to be a special guest. Yeah, that was Just great. kidding, everybody. <laughs> that was actually mentally picturing Mike Rowe. It was submitted to us by a Mike. Uh, oh. Bum, bum, bum. Thanks, Mike Rowe. <laughs> Mike Rowe. Well, you guys, is there anything you want to add before we say goodnight? Leave the light on. For Nikola Tesla. For, for Nikola Tesla. <laughs> there we go. Well, you guys. Alex, who does our music? Our music about Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, iTunes, and where you listen to music. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. straight. Yeah.